Morning prolific authors, how's everyone's week of writing going? Well, I hope. So let me ask you something. Are you ever not sure how to make yourself prolific? What would be the best way to um, help yourself write more and write more efficiently? Or are you ever confused about what making it as an author may look like for you? Do you ever think you have more hurdles to overcome than anyone else and you just kind of feel overwhelmed by them? Well, if you've answered yes to any of these questions, I have a really fun interview for you today with J.P. Corwin, who is both a musician and a writer of epic fantasy. So he's got a lot of really great things to say, and I'm excited for you guys to hear him. In terms of a personal update, I honestly don't have much today. I'm hard at work on a lot of different things, but I don't have anything in particular uh, to report personally. However, I am really excited to let you know that I am now offering something new for writers. It is a 30-minute strategy session in which I can help you kind of um, strategically lay out what you should be doing right now in your author career to further yourself as an author and help you figure out how to get there. So what happens is you can book a 30-minute call with me. It is completely free to you. It is just a free 30-minute strategy session that I am offering for authors. So if that's something that's that would interest you at all, go to bit.ly forward slash author strategy and you can book that call with me anytime and I would love to um, help you out. Like I said, it's totally free and you know get you on your way toward becoming that prolific career author that you want to be. Okay, without any further ado, let's jump into the interview. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today best-selling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. We are here today with J.P. Corwin, who is um, an indie author and a physician. How are you today, J.P.? I am fantabulous. How are you? Good, good. Glad to hear it. Lots of craziness in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, the world is slightly less insane today than it was yesterday, and that's sort of the goal, right? Yeah, that's always good. That's definitely always good. Um, so why don't we start by you just um, introducing yourself. Tell us who you are and, and what you write and about your music. So I am J.P. Corwin, as you heard in the introduction. I am your from the neighborhood blind guy. That is to say, <laughs> I am legally blind. Uh, I've got a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, and that's made some interesting inroads for me with the different things I've done over my life. Um, okay. And I've been able to, we'll get, well, I'm sure we'll get into that later. But I, uh, I have coined the terms blind indie rock and blind indie prose. That's <laughs> sort of... Uh, Part of part of who I am and what I do and part of the fun, but uh, musically I do everything from Celtic stuff to symphonic scoring to, as the name suggests, sort of indie rock. I've done touring up and down the Eastern Seaboard, a little bit further toward the Midwest, um, and I'm over here in UK now. As far as the authorship goes, I sort of have a hodgepodge style of uh, epic fantasy, military fantasy, and horror. Nice, nice. 
And so that is the first-ish answer to your question. <laughs> Sounds good. So you're all, everything you've written is um, self-published then? You don't have any traditional publishers? No, no traditional publishing. Um, I'm only on book two, mind you, but no, yeah. I have no traffic. Gotcha. Well, um, you know, since you do music and, and writing, you're obviously creative. So why don't you tell us about your journey and how you came to be where you are? How did you get into all of it? So the, the, the story goes, I, I sort of sang before I spoke, right? That's, I mean, you, you always get that when you're a little kid. Oh, there's, they're a great singer and they're born performer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so for me, at like the ripe old age of five or six, I heard some live random song crowd screaming, people going crazy. And that was it. Like I'm five or six years old and have made the official decision. That is where I'm going. That's my plan. That's the goal. Nice. And so everything, everything I did kind of walked me in that direction. I didn't actually start doing anything resembling songwriting until I kind of hit high school. Um, I tried in advance, but I, I just, I didn't have any of the things, uh, the tools in the box, right. To, to really effectively be able to write anything, at mm -hmm. least lyrically. Um, I'd done a lot musically, but the rest was lyrically. I just didn't have it. Um, but I was always a storyteller. So I loved and have always loved to read and to, to watch or hear really interesting, engaging, good stories of kind of every genre. Sure. Uh, and the same, the same thing happens with music, right? Like even the most heinous content you can imagine lyrically likely has something in it that's, I don't want to say redeemable, but certainly worth um, taking on board and listening to, even if it's only a particular drum beat or the attack on a guitar or, mm -hmm. or the way somebody handled the vocal phrasing. You may hate everything they're singing, but <laughs> you can't deny that there's that moment, that kind of glimpse of, ooh, I never thought of doing it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. Right, so that happened for me with music and with writing. Um, I, I hit the studio, I recorded a couple of albums, I had uh, a band supporting me, I joined a couple of bands over the years, had one supporting me, went up and down the Eastern Seaboard, etc. But eventually, I finally got to a point where I was finally, I guess I'd collected enough of the tools to put in the box to be able to sit down and actually and actively focus on writing. I'd always done short stories and I'd always done, you know, little scenes here and the scenes there. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I initially lacked the, I guess focus is really the best word I can come up with to stay on one specific story thread for something long form. But eventually I got to a point where I'd done enough in my music career and I kind of wanted to bridge the gap and bring the two together. And so sitting down and making the decision to write and setting the goals that let you do that, it kind of opened the door for me and everything went from there. And so here we are. And now there's the music and now there's the books and I'm <laughs> getting close to being able to release the series soundtrack because of course I'm going to write a series soundtrack. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> So. so how do you think that your songwriting influences your fiction writing or, or vice versa? Oh, no, definitely both. Um, so when you're writing song lyrics specifically, uh, we're going to deal with the more accessible stuff you'll catch on regular radio. We'll deal with the symphonic stuff in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, 
sort of three chords in the truth or keys or whatever in those scenarios. I mean, even when you go to the old spirituals um, and the actual hymns, they are deliberately focused short form conversation, right? Yeah. So you have to convey whatever you're going to convey in very broad strokes compared to maybe what's in your head, but in a way that catches punches and captures the essence of what you're trying to accomplish and, and kind of distills it for other people. I, I feel like it helps in the the feel of certain syllables and certain word choices and groupings over the course of dialogue and over the course of even description um, when you have a kind of reasonable grounding in lyricism. But there's a danger. There's a dark side, right? <laughs> is you can easily go purple. You can easily over describe and get carried away with sort of, oh, I'm so brilliant. Look at my lyricism. I'm very beautiful. <laughs> All of my words are amazing. Like it's terrible. It's it, it, it oversells, <laughs> right? So the dark side is it's really tempting to sort of flex that muscle and be able to say everything you want to say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes everything you want to say is more than you need to say. Okay. Oh, that's that's how the, the lyrical side of music impacted the fiction. The other side, the reverse of that is, I think my fiction has further sort of coalesced and distilled my ability to take the dialogue and sort of reciprocate, bring it back into the even road of a verse. Um, my stuff, because it's epic fantasy, it, by definition, that means there's a, a new world and there's world building and it's all very right. sweeping. So there are actual, well, the passages of lyric because it's text, but there are actual songs that are mm -hmm. relevant to individual places within the text. So it allowed me to take the concepts of this part of the world and this part of its culture and so on and, and distill that into something that would be a logical verse or song, which is way more effective, I think at least, if done well, or at least marginally well, in giving you an idea of what the culture of, or, or the, the color of this part of a world, whether it's the real world or, you know, near real world, if you're doing something like historical fiction or the like, it just, it, it gives you a better, cleaner snapshot, I think, and an easier thing to relate to than here's the GNP of this particular country and this is who invented metallurgy and all the other nonsense that goes into it, right? Right. So that's sort of best answer I can give you. Yeah, so, so would you argue then that it would be um, maybe a good exercise for most authors to try and distill their world or their story into something, you know, poetic or, or, or lyrical just for the sake of getting a different sort of handle on it? I think there's certainly value there. But so, so here's the, 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 the part of the truth that nobody really wants to say because okay. you hear this sort of thing. Anybody, and I mean anybody, has the ability to sit down and write a song, has the ability to sit down and write a book. Right? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you have the necessary skills to know your letters and to understand how to spell words at least passably? Congratulations, you can write, right? Like, yeah. How will be is up for grabs, but you have the ability to do the thing. Right. But there are rich deposits of, of joy, of creativity, of talent, of fun 
in aspect A that aren't in aspects B and C and D for you maybe, right? If you're not somebody who sings along in the car all the time or who kind of has a soundtrack to their life that they listen to while they're driving, while they're shopping, while they're cooking, while they're writing, I would say it's certainly worth trying to dive into maybe poetry or, or song lyrics or the like. I mean, it can't hurt to make the effort, mm -hmm. but I think getting locked into a yes, you should is mm -hmm. probably putting undue pressure on somebody because if you're not that musical person or you're not into poetry, you're going to kind of be Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill and feeling mm -hmm. like you've maybe failed to do the thing because why am I not getting this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so that's, I agree with you. I think it's a great exercise. Right. But great exercise, but good. Yeah. Not without putting too much pressure on yourself. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. That's, but no, I think that's a really interesting um, conversation about how you, how you approach that and how you go about that. So, so what is your actual process for getting your books written then? I get to cheat. <laughs> right. So it was 20 ish years in the building for the world and worlds of the series. So I have all of the data and all of the information that absolutely nobody cares about. <laughs> I know who invented metallurgy. I know what culture came up with the crucial concept of zero. I, I, I have, you know, 13, 14 different language lexicons. I, I know the different religions and the different politics and, and what crops grow where and what animals come from where and all that other stuff. No one cares, right? No, no one cares. But you would notice if it wasn't there. Right. Because it, it's the garden that gives you the garnish, right? That makes the dish that much more appealing when you sit down and eat it. Mm -hmm. um, I have so clear a picture of the worlds, the peoples, the cultures, the individual persons even, that for me, my process comes down to this. You know, in the morning, you're going to get up, you're going to, you know, run to the restroom. You're going to get ready for the day. Do your normal morning routine. Eventually, mm -hmm. you'll hop in the car. You'll have breakfast. You'll hop in the car. You'll go off and run your errands. You'll do work. Whatever you're going to do. You know what your day is going to be like, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I have that with all of these people. My big writer's block question isn't what am I going to write? It's at what point in the day do I turn the cameras on to start the reality show? Mm -hmm. So I've got all of this backlog of information and history and, and all these other things. And it prevents me from having to sit back and wonder, well, what if I get to watch what unfolds rather than having to sort of plot out and think of what's going to unfold. Um, right. So I get to cheat. And then on top of that, I get to cheat because of the music side. And then on top of that, I get to cheat because I use dragon um, dragon, naturally speaking which is a uh, speech to text software and right. requires a lot of extra editing, but it means I can sit there and dictate the book rather than having to clickety clack all day long. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So how do you, how do you go about editing it after you've dictated it? So uh, first thing is screen readers. Mm -hmm. I have uh, plenty of screen reader voices that I get to use to do things like that. And you switch between individual text-to-speech voices to get a different accent or to get a different sort of read on words, which is great. But after that, 
it's about handing it off to somebody else and letting them actually pick over the bones and, and find all the flaws and, and uncover all the warts and, and so on. Um, okay. And that's, that's sort of the process. Nice. Nice. It's not, it's not like I can sit there and line by line visually read everything and go, Oh, that comma doesn't belong there and so forth. Right. Right. So you, so you rely a lot on your editors to, to catch things like that for you. I do. And how long does it usually take you to write a book? Or you said you're on your second one, right? So how long so far has I, it taken you? Right. So I did not, um, the first thing I ever wrote, I didn't publish. Ironically, okay. it's much later in the series. <laughs> so maybe someday then. <laughs> oh no, it's definitely on the list. Good. Um, I wrote it and it was a 13 day process and 97,000 words and done. Mm -hmm. And I, I, apparently that's super fast. It is. That's fine. Um, for some people, for I, some people. Well, I've had days where I've done a couple of hundred because it's just been that kind of day. Mm -hmm. And then I've had days where I've done 13,000 in a day. Right. Um, it's, it's down to making it, you know, a, a habit. Yeah. Um, and that's where it comes from. I have been able to sort of force myself into the mode. And when you get flying, it just kind of comes fast and furious. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm, at the, I'm at the point now where the first thing I put out was the novella, The Dawn of Unions, which is set as a, as a teaser in this isolated, self-contained place within the world. Like here, here's a small self-contained story, which has effects, knock-on effects for everything else in the series. But you don't need to know anything before you start reading. And you don't walk away going, I know nothing about what happened here. Right. So yeah. that, that was just under 40,000 words. So just barely still a novella. Yeah. Um, I thought about writing more and I could have easily enough, but I looked at it and came to the conclusion that if I added more, I'd be doing it just so I could cross the threshold and call it a novel. It mm -hmm. wouldn't actually serve the story. Yeah. So I left it alone. That took me start to finish. It was a weird story the way it played out, but start to finish that took me about two months. Okay. Give or take. Um, and then the new book, the one that comes out 19th November, uh, is something close to six times the size of that book. Uh -huh. And that has taken me this year. Like I, I finished it two weeks ago. Nice. Um, I started it in earnest, like really let me sit down and start this for real in March. Hmm. So that's kind of how that played out. Um, again, going back to the whole layout of, of my process and, and writing a scene and figuring out where that stands, you know, when are we turning on the cameras for this reality show today? I write scenes to start with, and I know that they're going to exist within the tale, but I don't know where within the longer tale they're going to be initially mm -hmm. at least. So yeah. the very first thing I wrote wound up being in one of the very last chapters of this book. Um, <laughs> but it was the first thing I wrote. Right. Um, this book is right around 230,000 words and it's taken yeah. me five ish, six months to write it and get it sorted. And that's kind of it. I, I know I'll be able to do a single book a year. My expectation is there'll be years where I get to do two, maybe even three, but mm -hmm. they're very involved. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, Epic fantasy does that. Right. So, yeah, so did you consider, um, and this is almost a personal question because I write epic fantasy too, 
did you, because the book is so long, did you ever consider cutting it into smaller books or do you care about that? How do you approach that? Funny story. So I mentioned the very first thing I wrote that kind of 97,000 word thing uh -huh. later, the, the longer series. I wrote that and it references events that are sort of prehistory to that story. Mm -hmm. I did that in, I don't know, 2012, 2013. Um, at this point, it counts as a fairly solid alpha draft. I've got a lot of work to do when I get to revision. Right. But I waited. I knew it wasn't ready, so I waited. I took a year or two, maybe three, then I came back and started kind of dabbling here and dabbling there. But in 2018, late 2018, I sat down and went, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to write the stuff I reference in that later book, the first thing I wrote. We'll start there. I'll write what, for all intents and purposes, would count as a prequel, but nobody's seen the other book. So it's really the first thing they're going to see, right? Right. So I sat down and I started to do that. And I'm like, all right, here's what we'll do. And I want to make sure that it's fairly small book, like a normal sized piece of fiction. Because mm -hmm. people are not going to invest time and money in an author they've never heard of um, to, to read this giant couple hundred thousand word thing right it's right. money and time and they don't know you so i wanted mm -hmm. to keep it right around a hundred thousand words give or take well i got to about 130 and went i'm not even close to done <laughs> so i carved out one of the major plots separated it moved it off to the side and it became two-thirds of the first thing i actually released that novella the dawn of unions Mm. It's a story, it's self-contained, it will, it will combine with and have bearing on the rest of the series, but it can absolutely, and does, stand alone from the other stuff I'd written. Yeah. So, I do, and I have. In this case, the irony is, the thing I could have successfully done that with, that I could have cut out of this mm -hmm. giant book, would have been the thing that made fans of the first book scream and howl. It would have been all of the stuff tied to those characters, right? Okay. Yeah. The new book is one part companion and one part sequel. Hmm. So if I cut out the sequel and make it a separate thing, either they only get that right now, mm -hmm. or they only get the companion right now, and then they shake their fists, rightly so. I mean, if I'm a fan of a, of a series and I buy the next book in the series and none of the characters I'm excited to see are here, I'll be pretty ticked right. off. Right. Yeah. So, therefore, I mean, I, I could have split this up into five, yeah, four, nah, four separate books, but I don't feel like any of the storylines and any of the plot points in here are, they're excellent as an act within the larger tale. I don't think they are quite enough to make them books on their own, mm -hmm. but acts within a book. Absolutely. Right. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. So it's kind of just a, a creative decision for the to help your readers out so they don't get mad at you, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you always have to look at it and go, well, if I'm not the guy or the girl doing the writing or doing the performing or the singing or the whatever, mm -hmm. if I'm a fan, how am I going to feel about this? Right, right. The answer is I'm going to be mad or sad or upset. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. You always got to put your readers first. That's definitely true. Absolutely. 
So what kinds of things do you do to help keep yourself writing prolifically so that you're always chugging along? You have to know, you have to know, I think, where your threshold for distraction is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree with King. Um, I'm sure he's thrilled. I'm sure Stephen King is thrilled to know J.P. Corbin. <laughs> heard of agrees with him but whatever I agree with <laughs> he that. definitely uh, is <laughs> I, I feel like uh i feel like you want a room you want to be able to close the door you want to be able to knock out distractions turn off the cell phone blah 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 mm-hmm. and find a time of day and stick to it and set a word goal and stick to it and use that to sort of habituate yourself to writing and if you do that it ceases to become the chore of, oh, God, word count, oh, God, word count, and pretty quickly becomes the fun of, wow, I'm already, okay, wow. Like, you know, you do the 2,000 word a day right. thing. Not that difficult to do. Um, you will have occasional days it doesn't feel right and doesn't work, but it's not super hard to do if you, if you put yourself down for it. But you'll have those days where you'll finish a scene, and you'll look down when you lean back to get a drink or get up to go to the restroom or whatever, and you mm-hmm. realize, wow, I'm like, 300 words short of my daily goal. I mean, in the groove, I can keep going. I'm Mm going to actually, I'm in a good mood. I'm going to do the thing. (laughs) Right. I think that's a part of it. I think another part of it goes hand in hand with the distraction thing. You need to figure out whether you do well with music or not well with music while writing Mm -hmm. and what music works as a distraction versus what music works as the background noise, the, the, the background music, the soundtrack while you're writing. For yeah. me, it has to be something symphonic or classical or the like. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it sort of tears me out of the zone that I'm in, right? If I love, I love rock, I love some hip hop, I even like some country. There's really kind of no genre I don't like something about. Right. But most of the music that I would listen to for just fun and only fun would yank me right out of the zone, the mode, the, the mm-hmm. sense of, of sort of mental teleportation into the world of the story. You know, when you're yeah. singing along with pick an artist and it, you're writing, there's a risk you're going to have some of that propagate into the manuscript. And even if it doesn't happen, you may get pulled over here, right? Instead mm-hmm. of staying with your main character. Sure. So, I think that's really important too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually exactly the same way. I don't even always listen to music while I'm writing, but I tend to listen to the mood, the mood music beforehand so that I kind of am in the mood to write the scene. But while I'm writing, if I'm going to turn on music, I'm the same way. It has to be classical. Um, because otherwise, like if it has something with lyrics in it, it distracts me and I'm like singing the lyrics instead of doing my writing. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. We're definitely on the same page there. <laughs> Medical, yeah. <laughs> So um, what would you say to writers who, um, you know, we all, we all have our excuses and the things that keep us from writing that we kind of have to overcome, but you have, because of your, your um, blindness, have something that a lot of writers don't have to do with, deal with. So what would you say to people who, you know, kind of make excuses about their writing and, and say that they, they can't get it done, they don't have the capacity, they don't have the time, things like that. What would your advice to them be? I think it's a complicated question or it has a complicated answer, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's very easy to turn around and say, well, you know, stop making excuses. You can do it. Just do it, man. Right. It's, <laughs> it's um, you know, just like when dealing with um, sort of mental health or emotional health issues, mm-hmm. it's very easy to say, hey, just tough it out. Seriously, quit being weak, right? Quit beating yourself up. Just, just pull yourself up, get to your feet and just go forward. It's easy to say that. Mm-hmm. That's not a universal solution. Some people absolutely are doing it to themselves. Other people have an actual condition as yeah. opposed to some people are depressed. Others have depression. Those are two very different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. The same thing applies to writing excuses. Sometimes it's a case of, okay, you're, you're procrastinating. You're making excuses. You need to make time for the things that matter to you. And it's okay if this isn't one of those things. It is. You mm-hmm. need to know it's okay that this isn't your gig, your thing. It's, it's not a sin. It's not a problem. It's fine. But if you really do want it, you need to put in the time, right? So that's an answer and works for some people, but there are other people that have actual issues with overcoming an aspect of their life that is physically or mentally or emotionally in the way. Mm -hmm. In that scenario, you need to be able to sit back either on your own or with help and kind of try and dig in and get to the root of why you are having a hard time here, right? If Mm -hmm. you want to do the thing, there are things you can do to give yourself the time, but you may not be someone who on his or her own can find a way to navigate the maze of insanity that that is the day-to-day life, right? Mm -hmm. You may need help. So you need to first and foremost, figure out who you are, figure out how your brain works. That's the best advice I can give that, that applies to everybody. Figure out how your brain actually works with regards to just you and how you handle stress and and organization, all the other things, right? Once Mm -hmm. you get to the bottom of that, you can probably make a better decision as to one, are you really serious about doing this? And two, can you alone do it or do you need help if you are serious about doing it? Right. I think anything more specific than that or worse, kind of broader than that, you're going to try and find a way to justify philosophy on it X to apply to everybody. And it, it, it can't because it's not just a universal thing, right? It's not just I'm procrastinating. I've got mm-hmm. excuses. You see what I mean? Yeah, no, no. I think that's a really, really thoughtful answer. So I, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate what you said there. Um, so what are your plans for the future then? It sounds like you're going to keep writing your high fantasy. Do you have anything else on the horizon that you're super excited about? And, and how about your music? What, how are you going to move forward with that? All right. So the, the high fantasy stuff, I've got a, a broad stroke understanding, sort of the big plot, right? Mm-hmm. I've got three separate series that pop one right after the next right so if you thought of a a book series as a season of a show mm-hmm. um, or maybe a big epic like you know avengers level movie right uh, something like that each series is one of those i've got three of those already lined up so wow. whoever survives the first one will be in the second one mm-hmm. 
and and there'll be new people to come in and sort of fill the roles of those that are no longer around and so on. Um, so from a writing perspective, even just with the fantasy stuff, this specific kind of set of characters, world stories, languages, etc., I'll be at it a long time. And that's fine. <laughs> I, I love it here. It's, it's, it's a, a very familiar place that exists very clearly in my mind. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I've got some super stuff at some point. I think I'm going to sit down and finally write. Um, and I've looked at a bunch of different genres because, you know, I don't know anybody that only loves horror or only loves fantasy or whatever. Uh-huh. Romance. Yeah, take your pick. I like all of these things. And I yeah. feel like there's a possibility of me exploring them whole cloth instead of bringing aspects of them into my series. Okay. Um, so that's down the road. But I sure. think in the short term, there'll be some short fiction in my relatively near future, just because it's fun to write. Um, as far as the music aspect of things, I'm, I've put a series soundtrack together. I'm still doing the kind of finishing touches on, on writing that. I hope to have it out by the end of the calendar year. We'll see. Um, but this is the first volume. There may be others. There may not. We'll see. But between the symphonic stuff that'll be on here and the sort of in-world folk music that'll be on here, that's going to be a lot of fun. And to be able to give readers an actual version of the songs that they've read about within the context of the books is exciting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, beyond that, that fun. Beyond that, there's indie music that I'm already in the process of writing and recording. I'm hoping to have that album out by the end of the first quarter next year. So that'll be more along the rock side of things. And post COVID and once I'm backstage side, maybe there'll be some touring. I'd like to tour again. I love doing that. So nice. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. I I think you're, you're a very inspirational person. Just the fact that you're, you know, you're going after your creativity and, and um, you know, there's lots of people who would like to do what you're doing and for whatever reason, you know, haven't done it yet. So thanks for sharing that with us. Oh, listen, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is something you already know because you're doing it yourself. <laughs> Ultimately, if you want it, you got to go get it. Right. Very much so. So do you have any last minute advice for anybody, musicians, authors, creatives in general that you want to dispense? You have to realize that everybody's version of air quotes making it <laughs> is different. I've had, you know, very young musicians come up to me after shows or at parties or the like, and, um, well, you've toured and you've played with, you know, this guy and that guy and done this and the other thing. And, and, you know, I want to make it. I'm like, well, you need to figure out what that is, right? Mm -hmm. For you, is it having a song of yours produced in a studio? Is it playing in a bar? Is it just having a band behind you? Is it stadium shows? Do you need the whole you know, big YouTube experience? Do you need big shows? Do you need a tour bus? Are you doing it for money? You need to figure out what making it means for you. Once you've got that kind of fairly firmly in your head, I mean, it'll shift. But once you have a pretty good idea of what that is, it's much easier to pursue it because you've identified it. It's now that thing, right? Right. So that's, that's yeah. give you. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice for authors to figure out what you want to get at it. And then it, it, I think it just um, it makes your goals more specific and therefore easier to, to get to. So, yeah. Exactly. Like the broader 
the, the goal, the easier it is to fail, the easier it is to make excuses for failing, right? You yeah. need to be as specific as you reasonably can be, right? Sure, you want to be, you know, top of the New York Times bestseller list. That's awesome. That is a long-term goal, but if that's your sole only goal, you're going to find plenty of reasons to fail to get there. So maybe it's starting with, I want to have my first book traditionally published. Okay. That's a path. That is a specific right. goal you can work toward. Right. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you online if they want to connect with you or your books or your music? Okay. So just type in JP Corwin anywhere. You, I'm pretty deep on Google foo. That's JP C O R W Y N. You can find me at my website, jpcorwin.net. You can find me on Facebook slash jpcorwinofficial and everywhere else on the web, just slash jpcorwin. Okay, great. Great. I will make sure to link to that in the, to your sites in the uh, show notes. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much for talking to us today. It was really, really great to meet you and learn about your, your creative journey. It was awesome to hang out. Thanks very much for having me. Sure, no problem. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.